First Timothy chapter six. As I was looking at this passage for uh, tonight, I was so grateful. God so often uh, I feel like He just is organizing and structuring and leading us into the passages that we are just called to look at right when he wants us to look at them. And so obviously tonight is us as a group finishing up First Timothy, but it is just a perfect passage for our seniors. It is a great, if there was just kind of one topic I would want to hit on as the seniors no longer are a part of this ministry this would be one of the top topics I would want to hit on. And I think it's it's an important passage for all of us. But as a senior, as your gaze starts to shift to a new chapter, a new season, uh, I think it's just a beautiful passage full of wonderful uh, reminders. So we've been in First Timothy this year. Uh, I said to you at the beginning of the year, we were in First John last year. First John is... Uh, am I a Christian or not? You go to First John. First John talks about the fact that we can have assurance of our salvation, and and here's how we can have assurance of salvation. That's First John. First Timothy is okay. I have assurance. I believe I'm a Christian. I've repented and trusted in Christ. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a body of Christ? So the the purpose of First Timothy is to help Christians and to help the body of Christ understand how to live this life. And so just couple real quick hitters, uh, things we have been taught this year, things that have sprung from 1 Timothy 1. Uh, the first is we're to be people consumed with the truth of God's Word. We're, we're to be people consumed with the Gospel. And, and God so often does this in the New Testament epistles and pastoral letters. Uh, he begins with the Gospel. He reminds us that we're sinners But Christ is a great Savior, and we can't save ourselves, but Christ, by His grace and mercy, save us. And so, uh, so often in these passages, we see that it goes from um, finding our foundation in the Gospel, and we're not going to talk about the Christian life and what it means to be a Christian until we remember what Christ has done. We remember saved by His grace and His mercy. And so not a surprise, the first thing we learned was that Christ came to save sinners. We, we saw we are to be on guard against false teachers. Just talking to one of the teens before our meeting tonight, how important it is for you to be discerning. How important it is for you to, when you hear someone teaching or preaching or speaking about this life, for you to be able to know God's Word in such a way where uh, you can discern, okay, that's true, that's not true. And this teen was just talking about how as she's been in the Word and listening to to gospel preaching sermons, that when she hears things that aren't quite right, the the kind of the the filter goes off, right? The little kind of the real red flag of, I don't think that's biblical. And so 1 Timothy's talking to you. Yes, as pastors, we need to guard the flock against false teachers, but but you need to be aware and discerning of that as well. It's, again, essential to be in God's Word if you don't know the Word. You're not going to know when false teaching comes. We see Christians are to be a people of prayer. That's been one of my favorite aspects of 1 Timothy. Because I'm not good at praying. I'll pray throughout the day in short snippets, but really just to stay in there. We've seen that with Matthew on Sunday mornings. Jesus is getting long periods of time in prayer. 
We are to be a people of prayer, praying for one another, praying for the lost, praying for our government. We are to be in gospel community. We've seen here in chapter 4 the word devote. The church is not to be an add-on. The church is not to be, well, if I've got nothing else to do. It, It says not, hey, the church is a gift, even though it is a gift. It says, devote yourself to one another. Devote yourself to the, to the reading of scripture and the preaching of scripture and to prayer and to worship. We are to, to not even be able to think of our Christian lives disconnected from the body of Christ. We, we, are, we see that the church is to be led by godly men. We see in uh, chapters, um, Three and and four and and even in five that that this is what a pastor is to be. This is what a deacon is supposed to be. This is this is what it means to be in this role, and it's a very high and for pastors sobering responsibility. And then last week or last month we saw that we are to pursue godliness in light of the gospel, in light of the fact that we have been saved by God. We are to pursue. Godliness, And so those are some of the main points we've seen tonight. We conclude our study by by looking at the command of Paul to Timothy that we are to keep our eyes and our heart on Christ. We are to keep our eyes and heart fixed on Christ. Paul loves Timothy. I think about how much I love you all. And I think I can connect that to how Paul loves Timothy. Timothy was a person he discipled, prayed for, sought to pour into. He he wanted what was best for Timothy. And he loved this church. And so as we come to the end of this book, May we see that Paul's heart is, is strong towards them. He, he wants to leave them with something very important. And because Paul was carried along by the Holy Spirit as he wrote Scripture, these words are for us just as much as they were for, for Timothy and the church. So let's, let's listen. Beginning in verse 12, chapter 6. It says, Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who in His testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which He will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only Sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to Him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor, and this is important, to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God 
who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. So they may take hold of that which is truly life. Oh, Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. Lord, we pray that you would minister to us, that you would encourage us tonight, that you would, in a fresh way, fix our eyes on you. Lord, I pray for our seniors as they think about the next chapter of their life, that they would see the importance of fixing their eyes on you, setting their hope not on this world, not on riches, but on you. Give us your grace, Lord. Please, we know you're with us. Minister to us. Encourage us. Convict us. Lord, remind us of who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, two points tonight. Pretty obvious from the text. Point number one, fight the good fight of faith. So if you have your notes, point number one, fight the good fight of the faith. Fight the good fight of the faith. This passage reminds us that the Christian life is not easy. We, we do not save ourselves. We are saved by the grace and power of God. It is for His glory. It is by His grace. It is by His strength. And yet we are called, as we see here, to the fight of faith. It's a wonderful little phrase that talks about what it means to follow Jesus. To, to follow Jesus is a fight of faith. Teen, if you're a Christian here tonight, well, if you're a teen, if you're a Christian here tonight, you know this already. It's going to be tough, isn't it? There are trials of various kinds. We live in a broken world. And we ourselves, although we are saved and forgiven of all of our sin, still have flesh battling us. We are forgiven, but we are not perfectly like Christ yet. So, In the Christian life, you're battling outside influences and you're battling yourself. You're battling inside influences. It's going to be a fight of faith. At the end of a Christian's life, they're going to say two things. We, at the end of this race, are going to say two things. One, thank you, God, for your grace. We're not going to be able to stop singing about His grace. As much as we love it now, can you imagine when you see Him face to face? Can you imagine when you're in the new heavens and the new earth? Your your thought's going to be, what am I doing here? Because I don't deserve this. And so the Christian will say, thank you for your grace, God. Because two, that was a fight of faith. Many times it felt like I was in a spiritual war zone. If if tonight you would say, the Christian life is so hard, 
I just feel like I'm battling myself. I feel like I'm battling outside influences and inside influences. That These trials I'm walking through are challenging to keep trusting God, to keep trusting His promises. It's a fight. God would say, yes. Exactly. That's what it means to fight the good fight of faith. It does not mean pull up the bootstraps. It doesn't mean, okay, God's gracious, but now you go, you fight, you gotta do it. No, fight the good fight of the faith. To keep fixing our eyes on Christ by His grace, to, to keep trusting His promises. But by the grace of God to flee sin, as we saw in verse 11, and to run to God again and again and again. I was talking to a brother older than any of you teens this week, and he's just struggling, right? Just struggling with life being hard and the challenges of this life and the uncertainty of the future for him. And he's just kind of spinning. And then he gets his eyes up on Christ. Okay, this is who God is. This, these are his attributes. He is sovereign. He is loving. He is good. He, he's got me. He's for me, not against me. And as he was just reminding himself of this is the God who has saved me, you could just feel the heat going down. It wasn't that he was rejecting God in that moment. It was just the, the things of this world, his circumstances were, were all he could see. And the temptation, when you look at your circumstances and only look at your circumstances, is to do all kinds of things with your heart and mind. That's why we need to fight the good fight of the faith. That's just another way to get your eyes up on Christ again. Remember who He is. Remember what He's done. You you just have to do that. I have to do that again and again and again. I I think, and, and please hear me teens, adults could do this same thing, but I think teens get in trouble spiritually when they decide to follow Christ, they say, okay, you know, they hear someone share the gospel, hey, you want your sins forgiven, you, you want to go to heaven, not hell. Uh, you, you think about just, for many of us, maybe not all of us, but many of us, we love the church. We love the people in the church. So, hey, you want to be a Christian like these friends of yours? And I, I think, yeah, I'll sign up for that. I'll sign up for heaven and forgiveness of sin and getting to hang out with these people. And then when teens discover that there's a fight of faith when they discover that they're not unopposed, that they learn that there are battles to fight and sacrifices to make and this world is broken and even as a Christian you feel the trials of various kinds. I think the temptation is for teens to bail. Wait a minute. This is going to be hard? You mean there? I have to sacrifice? You mean I'm going to experience hardship? And I think the temptation is, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. And I think what's so sad in these type of situations is that they're looking their nose down at God. They think think they're in this kind of place of being superior. Of, well, you know, if this was all ease and comfort, I'd I'd tag along, but if it's going to be hard, no. I want to love you enough, teens, to, to let you know that Christian life is not the easier option. It's the better option. Eternally speaking, it's it's the more glorious option. Right now, that's not the easier option. Right now, short term, being a non-Christian's easier because your sin will not fight you when you give into it. 
you realize that, right? You might feel conviction. You might feel the dirtiness of sin. But when you are giving in to the flesh, it's applauding you. It's saying, keep going. You're doing great. You know it doesn't satisfy, but it keeps saying, you just don't have enough. Keep going deeper. Kelly's mom, I think even more and more in her own words lately, has said that, that she got saved about two years ago. And, and she's just said a few times along the way, not um, in a condemned way, not with despair, but just in this way of kind of just, whoa, this life is harder than what I was doing before. She, she didn't realize that in becoming a Christian, you're signing up for your flesh to say, wait a minute, what are you doing? No, 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 no. Don't follow Christ. We were having a great time here together. And, and your sin starts to fight you. You're not at war when you're not a, when you're an unbeliever with your sin, right? You are on the same side. And becoming a Christian, you're, you're now going to war against it. There's now a fight that has to occur. Pilgrim's Progress is an outstanding book. It's written by John Bunyan. If you've never read it, I know I'm sure what a teen wants to hear right now is, hey, you should read right now. You're at the precipice of of not reading what you don't have to read. But I'd love for you to want to read Pilgrim's Progress. There's some in the Old English. There's some in more modern English. There's, there's a copy that we have, my family has, just incredible art, incredible uh, literature uh, and graphic design. Uh, early on in the story, Christian's the main character. He, he sees this burden on his back. He understands that the city he's in, the city of destruction, is going to be just that, destroyed. And so this man evangelist tells him there's a way for you to have hope. There's a way to not be destroyed with the city. And there's a way for you to have this burden fall off your back. you got to go through the wicked gate and you got to head towards the celestial city. And so he realizes in desperation this is his only hope. And so he's booking it out of there. And his wife's like, you're crazy. What's wrong with you? The people in the town are making fun of him. But then there's these two guys and... One of those two is a man named Pliable. And he says, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I got this burden on my back. This city's going to get destroyed. This man said that if I go through the wicked gate and I head towards the celestial city, there's hope. And this celestial city is incredible. It's paradise. It's heaven. Pliable says, sign me up. Let's go. I want to be a part of this. And so he starts to walk with Christian. And as he walks with Christian, he's saying, tell me more. Tell me more about this celestial city. Tell me, where are we going? I can't wait to get there. So Christian says, well, I don't know a ton about it, but, but here's what I know. And he's, he's listing things and they're talking about it. And then they both fall into the pond of despond. It's, it's a swamp. And they're fighting for their life. The pond is filled, as it says, John Bunyan, John Bunyan says, with the, the fears and the doubts and the temptations of the pilgrims. And so they're trying to fight to get out. They're trying to get out. And Pliable kind of just forsakes Christian. He gets out first and he berates Christian. What did you sign me up for? Is this the, is this the wonderful path to the celestial city that you were talking about? Now, Christian never said it would be easy. He just said it was his only hope. And so Pliable berates Christian, says, I want nothing to do with this journey. And he turns around and walks back to the city of destruction. 
Why does Pliable turn back? Because he believed that his path would be filled with nothing but ease and comfort. He didn't expect challenges, didn't expect trials. And the moment he did, he quit on Christian and he quit on the journey. Teens, I want to encourage you tonight to fight the good fight of the faith. Yes, yes, there will be challenges in your life. Seniors, yes, there will be trials to come. To be a Christian means to lay your life down, to, to pick up your cross daily. And then just this, there's just the things of this world, of being in a broken world like sin and sickness and disease that, that we don't know how God is going to use for good. We know He will, but we're still going to face them. I encourage you, fight the good fight of, your faith, of the faith. It's not that Christian was like, oh no, that pond's not there. Right? And if you read Pilgrim's Progress, there's a lot more battles he faces and even mistakes he makes and places he doesn't trust the path. Times where he got off the path because it was a little bit more smooth. It was a little bit more comfortable here. But Christian's eyes, in the midst of all of that, were fixed on the celestial city. They were, they were fixed on where he was going. And yes, this is what I'm going through now. Yes, I am in the pond. Yes, I need help. And thankfully, help comes to get him out. But he would go through any of it if it meant the celestial city and that path. And in the same way, will you and I continue to trust God? Will you and I continue to fix our eyes on Christ no matter where the path leads? Keep keep trusting His promises. Keep trusting who He is. John Piper says, this life is not to be lived with a peacetime mentality. John Piper says, this life is wartime mentality. We're at war not with People as Christians, we're, we're at war with ourselves. We're at war with the flesh. We're at war against the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. And so I just want to encourage you tonight. Don't, don't be surprised by the temptation to doubt. Don't be surprised by the temptation to unbelief. Don't be surprised by the temptation to ask, is it really worth it to follow Christ? Man, Christian's a fictional character in Pilgrim's Progress, but there had to have been times where it just, I think I'm going the right direction. I think this is worth it. Wouldn't have been wrong for him to ask that question in light of the things he faced. And teen, it's understandable to ask that question when you go through trial. If if in trial you're, you're tempted to doubt, tempted to fear, tempted to wonder, is this worth it? That's an understandable question to ask. And God wants you, by His grace, to, to not sink into, you know, is God really good? You know, what, what's with all this suffering? What's with all this cost? What's with all this? He wants us to get our eyes up on Him and to say, He loves us and He's for us. And there's grace upon grace never ending. You know, I mean, people have suffered way worse than I have. People are going through trials right now way bigger than mine. But, you know, when I think about the the community group and I think about the potential church plant, it's not like every moment of my day is filled with nothing but faith for it. There's there's just moments of, what am I doing? You know, I, I haven't, I haven't, 
I haven't um, doubted for a second that God is at work here and I genuinely believe this is what God wants with my life. But these moments of, I'm throwing my whole life just into the fan. I'm just, I'm just the, this lady was hilarious in the province of God. If you've been to my house, you know that we, over, we are right across the street from uh, where the custodians come out, the loading dock, and this custodian yells across the street, I love your house! I'm like, thank you, love the house too. And, and um, you know, she was talking about the kids, seeing the kids out playing, and it just seems like we have a wonderful family, and I'm able to say, yeah, God's been very gracious to us. Then she just, right before I turned, she goes, I, I pray you, or not, she didn't pray, she said, I hope you have many wonderful years there. Uh, thanks, you know. Um, and I and I turn and I think, God, you've got a sense of humor, you know, because if you really believe in the sovereignty of God, you you believe that He knew that was going to come out. And it was just it was a split second moment, but it's just um. um it was a split second of the cost. It was a split second of, I just want to just stay here the rest of my life and just never leave anybody and never have to step out and trust in God. And so my point in that is that, you know, I just, I just keep thinking, God, you're worth it. Right? You know, Anderson is very logical and he'll just say, if there are people in a place that are going to hell and we have the gospel, why wouldn't we go if God was calling us? I, I want to live on that level. Like I want to live in, with that type of simplicity of God, I just want to do whatever you want. And so my point in that is that when we have those moments of, okay, this is what it means to follow Christ and this is what it means to do what I want to do or or what the world wants me to do, just going to God again and again and again and again and again. Fighting the good fight of the faith. And it doesn't mean that for me leaving is the good fight and staying is not the good fight. It, my point is, God, whatever you want with my life, that's what I want to do. D- do you have that? I know many of you do. Just God, whatever you want with my life, that's what I want to be about. Seniors, I want to exhort you Fix your eyes on Christ. Continually ask Him, what do you want with my life, Lord? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? May it not be, okay, what do I want to do right now? May it always be, what, what Christ, what do you want? For you as seniors to, to find your hope and your joy in Him and Him alone. I love, look at verse 12 again. I love this phrase. So there's fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I love that phrase, take hold. Teens, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called about to which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Again, a phrase that reminds us that the Christian life is not just mental assent. 
Christianity is not looking at a board of facts and saying, yes, and then moving back to whatever you were doing beforehand. Take hold. It's a word that means seize. What it's saying here is to be a Christian is to live passionately and radically for Jesus Christ. The New Testament is not supposed to look different than your life. Right? They devoted themselves to the reading of God's Word. They devoted themselves to the body of Christ. Take hold. There should be something in us if we're Christians, not perfectly, but but something genuinely of, I want you, Jesus! I want you more than the things of this world. I want you! I want to be in a relationship with you. Take hold! You know, if when you listen to Mr. Edder preach or me preach or when you're in the Word and it's just kind of like, meh, going through the motions, I, I just don't, I'm not, I'm not amazed. I just keep praying. If that, if you want that, if the fact you even want that, I think shows that God is at work. Take hold, seize the eternal life to which you were called. To, to not look at Christianity as an add-on in your life. Who we are in Christ is who we are. That, that's, that's who we are most importantly. You know, for you seniors, whatever you do in this next season, you're gonna meet new people. And, and when you engage with them, as you do with anybody, for any of us, you know, when you're, you're meeting someone for the first time, you're learning about them. When you think about yourself, is the first thing you think, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. That is who I am above all. I'm not a student first. I'm not a worker first. I'm not a son or daughter first. I am a son or daughter of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's who I am. I've been in Joshua. uh, Now I'm in Luke, but I was in Joshua the last couple weeks. and, And in Joshua 23... Josh Reed and I were talking beforehand. Like You read God's Word multiple times, and then something sticks out that didn't stick out the last time. And when I was reading Joshua, Joshua 23, Joshua makes this comment within pretty much a chapter. He, he commands them, he calls them, he commends them to cling to God. Cling, that's the word he uses. Cling to God. Not mental assent to God. Cling to Him. And then a little bit further down it said, do not cling to this world. He uses that same word both times. Cling. To cling is not like to hold someone's hand. You know, if you were young, you know, younger, not not a baby, not a toddler, but if you were like six or seven, seven or eight, you know, walking across the street, holding your parents' hand, it was kind of like, you know, I could have done this on my own, but, you know, for your good mom, to make you feel better, I'll, I'll hold on to you. That's not clinging. Clinging is, I'm holding on for dear life and I'm not letting go. Now, we want, we want the, all of God's Word speak here. God's got us, right? John 10, God's got us in His hand. He's not letting go. But there is this not clinging in fear, not clinging of, if I don't, if I don't hold on, He's gonna, He's gonna let go of me. No more a clinging of, I have no hope without Him. Clinging in that John 15, apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. Catherine clings to Kelly at this point as a 21-month-old, not because she's fearing falling. Maybe she should fear falling sometimes. She, like, scales down the bed like she's going down the Grand Canyon. Whee! You know? 
she clings to, to Kelly because she loves her. Kelly's baby in that girl like nobody's business, right? The other ones, there was a new baby at this point. And so it's like, move on. This one, no one else is coming, right? And so she clings to Kelly in love, in gratefulness. And there's nowhere I'd rather be than sitting here eating Cheerios in mommy's lap watching little kid videos. That's what it means to, to cling to Christ, to say, God, there's no one else I'd want to be with. There's no one else that I love more because there's no one else that loves me more. I love singing that song, Here is Love. You sung it tonight. Do you believe it? That there is no love greater than God's love for you. Because if you do, then we'll cling to God. We'll run to God. The, the, the lie of the world is, He doesn't love you. Where, where is he? He's distant. He's, he's, he's not answering. And you're in pain, and so he, here's what we're offering. So I just, that cling to God or cling to the world, you can't do both. Fight the good fight of the faith. Remember who he is. Remember his promises. Remember the gospel again and again. Look at verse 14. To keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's the reminder that just as Christian kept his eyes on the celestial city, we are to keep our eyes on Christ and keep our eyes on His return. Think about First and Second Peter. They, they mock. They, the world mocks us. Where is He? been a couple thousand years now. Where is he? Is he coming back? Oh, he is certainly coming back because a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. God waits because he wants to save more. And so he's saying here, live your life in light of the return of Christ. Seniors, when you think about whatever you're doing next, do it keeping in mind his return. Will you, will you live your life in such a way that if he returned tomorrow or ten years or a thousand years from now, you lived your life in a way where you said, that was worth it. That day will be the greatest day for the Christian and the most terrible day for the non-Christian. When he returns and a Christian sees him face to face, it will be nothing but joy and glory. If you live for yourself, if you live for this world, if you, if you don't fight the good fight of the faith, but as it says in Luke 8, 14, caught up with the cares of this world, you, you walked away from Christ. You know, Luke 8, parable of the soils, it grew up for a season, but then the cares of the world choked it out. That will be the most terrifying day ever for you. Point number two, set our hope on God. Point number two, set our hope on God. Look at verse 17. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. Teens, you are rich. This is you. I remember thinking when I was young, well, I'm glad I'm not the rich here. You're rich. You, you are in world history, some of those most richest people to ever exist. And, and I know you might think, yeah, I don't got as much as that guy. Yeah, it's true. In our culture, there's kind of relative wealth. But you, compared to the last thousand, couple thousand years, you are rich. 
And, and we here can be tempted, even when we're not rich, to set our hope on the uncertainty of riches. Seniors, don't set your hope on the uncertainty of riches. Don't think to yourself, okay, now's my opportunity. You know, I've been, I've been held back. You know, my, my mom and dad said no to this and this and this. And you know what? I could get a job and I could use, now it's, now it's my money. Or, or go to college and if I go to college, I'll, I'll get this degree and I can start bringing in the bacon. Don't set your hope on the uncertainty of riches. You should just Google the, the house bust of, of 2008 and the retirement kind of Wall Street bust of 2008. People that lived for decades for money lost half of it within days. People I knew who, who were on the cusp of retiring, on the cusp of, of living for themselves, and in, within days, well, I'm working another 10 years now. Don't live for that. Not, not only is it worthless now, it will be worthless in eternity. Riches are uncertain. And they are for sure not salvific. No, no one, when Christ returns, is going to be able to say, well, I didn't follow you, I didn't trust in you, I didn't repent, but I have a lot of money. You know, we were, I was playing life with my kids the other day, and my kids are still in the season of life, and playing life where that money feels like real to them. I got 50000 Yeah, take that down to Rite Aid, Anderson. See how that goes down there, right? I'd like that soda and that uh, piece of chocolate, and I've got $50,000 of life money here. That's how God views the money of this earth. It, it's, he provides for us. There, there's a degree of value to it. It is only a degree of value. It is only valuable in the sense of what it can do in a temporal way. It is worthless in comparison to setting our hope on God. And so, obviously, there's a church to the seniors there as they take those next steps. But I've been saying this for years. The time to prepare to be 18 is not at 18. Right? So Madeline is going to be 11 here in September. I'm already talking to her in a sense like she's a teenager. I realize the, the conversations I'm having now will, will impact the teenage year. So if you're 14 or 15 or 16 or 12 or 13, don't think of this as well. This didn't apply to me tonight. It was the seniors. No, you're going to be a senior like this. I saw a picture of Nathaniel this week. <laughs> My kids laughed because he looked like about Anderson's age, you know. And my point is, Nathaniel, you're 18, yeah, he's now. He's 18, and he was probably nine or ten in that picture. And so, for you, if you're 12, 13, 14, the time to prepare to be 18, the time to prepare to be a senior, the time to prepare for God, what's the next step? Is now. Will you set your hope on God or set your hope on the uncertainty of riches? And then finally, verse 20, look at it there with me, please. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Guard the deposit entrusted to you. It's a great phrase. Timothy had been given a gift. A gift of the gospel. A gift of a mom and a grandma that loved Jesus. The gift of the body of Christ. The gift of the Word of God. 
Timothy had been given so much by God. And it says, guard the deposit entrusted to you, right? So you see, you see, take hold, you see, fight, you see, guard. These are action verbs. This isn't mental ascent. Nobody can leave here tonight and just by, well, I agree with Mr. what Mr. Ross said. You, you've not done what the passage is saying. We've got to fight. We've got to take hold. We've got to guard. So what I just say, I said Timothy had been given the gospel, the church, parent, uh, a mom and grandma that loved Jesus. So there's some ways that you can't relate to Timothy. Here's one that you can completely relate to him. Everything I just said is true for the vast majority of you. You've been given Christian parents. You've been given a church that loves the gospel. You've been given one another. Guard that deposit. Guard it. Don't, don't let the world creep in and say, really? Is that really what you believe? <laughs> That's a joke. Or to say, you know, you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be going to church anymore. Stop, stop going to church. What's the point of going to church or, or being in the word? You know, I almost said it, his name. One of my children, one of my sons said to me today, he, he was my favorite son though, so it's okay. Um, one of my sons said today, I really need to be in the Word more, which I love that heart. He goes, I'm just so busy. <laughs> you know, and just, yeah, just graciously, yeah, we all feel that temptation, don't we, buddy? You know, like there's the nine-year-old, I'm just so busy, it's got to squeeze it around work, you know? But, but that's what we do, that's what we all do. We all look at other people's situations and think, well, you know, yeah, what they're facing, but I'm busy. And, and it's saying, guard the deposit entrusted to you. And I tried to do my best of, Anderson, you're right, you are busy, but we've got the Word here. We've got God's Word. Let's look at it. Let's read it. And how can I help you? I want to say to you seniors, you have been given a beautiful gift. Uh, John Flavel says, I was going to write it down and I forgot to write it down. John Flavel says, it is a greater treasure to have parents that pray than to be born into nobility. It is a greater treasure to have parents who pray than to be born into nobility. That, that's true. If you've had parents that have prayed for you and loved on you and encouraged you, seniors, please, at some point, if you haven't done so already, thank them. Express your gratefulness to them. They have given you a good deposit. God has given you a good deposit to, to raise you in a Christian home? To raise you in a place where you're hearing the gospel again and again? Do, do you recognize how many people that's not their story? And, and God's not bound by that, so God can save people from very hard places? But in His loving kindness, He has placed you in a place similar to Timothy. Guard the good Deposit. Don't don't let it be ripped away from you. I, I pray that when you think about the gospel, senior and non-senior, when you you think about the gospel, when you think about the word of God, when you think about the attributes of God, when you think about just the fact that God has revealed Himself to you, may you and I, in one respect, one sense, you know, sow the seed everywhere and share it to as many people as we can. But in another sense, hold it tightly. And to say, you're not ripping this away from me. You're not taking this away from me. It's my treasure. It's my hope. It's my joy. 
It says avoid the knowledge of the world, the false knowledge of the world. Seniors, you're going to hear lies. No matter where you go, you're going to hear people saying things as truth that are not true. Guard the good deposit. And then I love how Paul ends, grace be with you. Grace be with you. Our hope is not in the guarding, us guarding. Our hope is not in us fighting. Our hope is not in us, period. Our hope is in God. God, give us grace to guard. Give us grace to fight. Paul's saying to Timothy, grace be with you. Seniors and non-seniors, when you think about the future, may our hope be in God. May our hope be in His grace. May we run back to it again and again and again. Um, Josh Deaver, in just a moment, is going to come up and he's going to share a couple questions for you to break down into, to spend uh, about 15 minutes talking about. So if you're here with a parent, I'd like for you to, to go through the questions with your parent. If you're not, you can link up with someone that has a adult in their group. Uh, and then the second thing, you could before the night's over. So Josh is just going to speak them. So if you could write them down, parent or teen, if you have paper, write them down. So Josh, you can come on up. Um, he's going to share the questions for now. I have a piece of paper, one per family, for a devotional at some point in the next week or two I'd like for you to do. So if at some point somebody in your family could grab one of these pieces of paper, uh, I would appreciate it. It's just about redeeming the summer. Okay, so... So, Josh, if you wouldn't mind sharing the questions and then praying for us. Awesome. All right, so I've got three three questions here. Um, first one's really simple. Are you feeling the fight? So when during your weeks, everything, are you feeling that battle um, just with Christianity and, and the world and that the struggle of your own sin, your own heart? Are you feeling the fight? And then, And then if you are, where are you feeling that fight? Um, and if you honestly aren't, like, share that too. Like, I, you, it's okay to share this with your your brothers and sisters. You know, I'm not feeling that. I'm just walking through life right now. Um, and just search that out in your soul. So, are you feeling the fight? Number one. Um, two. Are you are you resting on God for your fight? Or honestly, are you just trying to power through? Like, you feel that fight, and you're just like, you know what? I got this. I'm gonna take it out today. You know, guns blazing. Or are you, are you resting in God for that? Or, um, like what Ben said was, um, are you clinging to God? So are you clinging to God in that? Or are you clinging to, you know, your own power, your own abilities to do things? So. And then three, um, just since this is the, the last youth group for this year, um, looking back on this past year, how have you seen yourself grow as a Christian? How have you seen yourself change from when youth group started back in the fall to today? So, and then also, um, how have you seen each other grow? So, I mean, you're probably going to be meeting with, uh, in groups here with people you know pretty well. So how have you seen your brothers and sisters grow in ways that have affected you? So, so are you feeling the fight? Are you resting in God for that fight? And how have you grown? All right. uh, dear Jesus, I just thank you for this time that we have um, just to build community with those we love. Um, God, you, you saved us into, into a family, 
and you've called us to be with our brothers and sisters, and that is just a commandment. Um, and what it means to be a Christian is to fight alongside each other um, and, and to, to grow um, in loving you, God. And just I pray that um, as we go forward, we would, we would rest in you. We would fight with, um, with what you give us. Um, just the song we sang tonight, you are our battle shield, our sword for the fight. You are our dignity, and you are our delight, God. And I pray as we go forward, we would delight in you and delight in one another because of what you've done for us. Amen.